Hey guys, I'm excited to do a really great giveaway this month. This month's giveaway is the ESV Preaching Bible provided by Crossway. Created from the ground up with input from pastors and church leaders, the ESV Preaching Bible was designed with the preacher in mind. This edition features highly readable 10-point type in a single-column format, enlarged and boldened verse numbers to make it easy and to quickly locate verses on the page, extra-wide margins for notes, high-quality paper, and durable Smithsonian binding befitting a preacher's most valuable tool. Learn more at crossway.org. And last month, I was provided with one of these Bibles. I've been using it for a month and absolutely loving it. You can sign up for the giveaway in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. It's Wednesday. It's not Monday. Sorry for the delayed release this week. Went out camping on our maiden voyage with our new camper, and that's why I wasn't here to be able to record on Monday. But here we are. It's episode 151, and we're going to be talking about work Part two of six installments talking about raising sons through rites of passages. Today we're going to talk about work. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. I pray that this is edifying, encouraging, and helpful to those that are listening in. God, I thank you for pastors that work hard doing what you've called them to do. And God, I pray that you would help them to think through ways to build up in their sons ways of work that are manual labor. Working with a book open and with a pen in hand or typing out a sermon, that's a glorious and that's a noble thing. But God, I pray that you'd help us to find ways, help these men to find ways to train their sons up in manual labor and a culture of work, realizing that work is just a part of who we are. It's how you've built us as men. And so, Lord, lead this time. I trust you're going to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you guys are having a good start to your week. We're already halfway through the week. It's Wednesday. As stated, I took the camper out, done a lot of remodel work on it, got about $3,000 in it, and just had a great time with the family for a couple of days this week. And just a really, you know, anytime you get away for a couple of days, that's that's a fun thing. We went camping only about only about 20 minutes away from where we live. But still, it was a great time. And I had some time to think about this episode, so I'm pretty excited about it today. So today, we're talking about work. Worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. And we're going to work through these week by week. And as I said last week, there is an episode where I've encapsulated all of these rites of passages for raising sons into one episode. And what I wanted to do is give you a more detailed look at each one of these so you can think through this and build out these rites of passages for yourself. So you can make it your own. So you can get with a group of guys at your church, some buddies at your work or whatever, and think through this intentionally about how you're going to raise your sons and build them up. But I want to just talk a couple passages before we get into some practical details on this. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 15. Here's what God says. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Okay, God intentionally made the man outside of the garden and then put the man inside of the garden for a reason. Now, this central verse is why Eldridge wrote the book Wild at Heart and he talked about men being built outside of the garden. But one of the big things that that I think he misses is the fact that God intentionally, after making the man, put him in the garden for a very specific and good task. And what is it? It's to work and keep it. Now, the word keep, when you begin to look at that word, that's where we get protect and provide. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks, but specifically today, work. Now, when we talk about work, I'm not talking about something that a man is called to. 
what we see in the garden is that this word work is intimately tied in with who Adam is as a man. This is the first task that he was given by God in the garden. And you think about the garden. The garden was full of everything that was given to him. God gave Adam everything. Look at all of this. It's yours. Now work and keep it. You've only got one prohibition. Don't eat of this tree. But everything else is yours. So work at it and keep it. This is why God made Adam. The man was built to be a worker. And that remains a post-fall identity marker for a man as a man is a worker. He's going to be a worker as he grows up and then to the day he dies. Work is always going to be a part of the man's life. He is made and built for this work. Now, we're going to talk more about working for remuneration later on as we talk about provide. What is, what is provision? That's work for provision, making money, investing, those sorts of things. But this is about work as a way of life. And I think it's very important from the beginning Men are not men who happen to work, but men are built for work. Six days you shall work, and then one day a week we are called to rest. This is a part of who we are as a human being. Men are built for work. Now, Proverbs 6 has a really great great passage about some ants. That The other day when we were camping, Ransom said, Hey, Dad, come over here. Check this out. And there's a group of ants, and they were carrying another ant. It looked like a dead ant, a bigger ant. And they were carrying this ant up a tree. He's like, Dad, look at that. It was just amazing to see the teamwork that's involved and the strength that's involved in being able to carry this ant up the hill. And, the, and Solomon, he did a lot of looking at ants, apparently, because as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, here's what he says. Go to the ant, O sluggard. This is the warning and how much of an offense it is to God who made us to be workers for us to be lazy in any way. And pastors, I'm going to challenge you here in a little bit for those that are especially living in the city to be able to find some manual labor that you're able to train up your sons with because your sons need to see you working. So the contrast in Proverbs 6 is with the ant and the sluggard. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. There are warnings, not just in Proverbs, but in other passages in the scriptures as well. Warnings against laziness. And for a man... To walk the way of the sluggard is for a man to walk in the absolute opposite direction in which he was created. And that will lead to more and more death. Laziness leads to more laziness. Passivity leads to more passivity. And you have got to fight that. And so Solomon says, hey, go to the ant. Look at the ant and watch what the ant does and then be like the ant. Go out and work hard, gather and work instead of being a sluggard and sleeping a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Hey, poverty's coming. Wealth is never on the other side of laziness. And the one who has achieved wealth through laziness, like winning a lottery or something like that, that's the way they've attained wealth, will soon be gone. It's just, you know, in their hands and just going through like sand. It's just a matter of time. Because the sluggard is going to find ways to be a sluggard. And poverty will eventually come. So these passages provide, I think, a good foundation for us to say, okay, men are built for work, we're made for it, and then there's observations in creation for us to look at that are just built into creation for us to see with our eyes, if we can open our eyes to see it, that we are to work like the ant and not be the opposite, not be lazy, not be the sluggard. Okay, you guys get the point. Now, difficulties for pastoral ministry when it comes to work. 
Now, some of you live in the country. Some of you live like I do on a couple acres. I live on about two and a half acres. And if you live on two and a half acres, just plan on multiple hours a week being given to the to the task of working and keeping that garden. I mean, it's just going to take time. You have to have a chainsaw. You have to take care of your yard. You have to. There's just things to do. There's always things to do. But if you live in the city, there's going to be unique challenges, and that's what I want to challenge you with. Because as we're raising sons, our sons need to see us doing manual labor. And that means for some of you who didn't grow up doing manual labor, you're going to have to learn manual labor. Many of our sons aren't going to step into pastoral ministry. They're going to be doing something else. And they're going to have a household of their own. And if we have to outsource everything, if we don't know how to fix a light switch, if we don't know how to change oil, and we just always go and buy that, well, those services are going to continue to get more and more expensive. And so what we're patterning for our children and for our, for our little boys in particular, is that other people fix stuff. I don't fix stuff. Other people fix stuff. And so I'm going to pay for other people to fix what God has given me and entrusted me. And instead, I think you, if, if you're not inclined to being able to fix things, some of this stuff doesn't come natural to me. We've got to understand that everything that we have in front of us, in our home, our vehicle, whatever it is that God has entrusted us with, we are to be good stewards of that. And we've got to model that for our sons. Our sons need to see us working hard. So here's a couple examples. If you live in the city, even if you don't live in the city, think about this. Instead of paying somebody to mow your yard, it's it's pretty simple, mow your yard. Your son is going to see you outside sweating and mowing your yard. He may even bring out some Kool-Aid to you or or a Powerade or a body armor or something like that. And then when he gets of age, that's going to be what he gets to do. He gets to mow. But he has had years of watching you do that work. What about this? Fix your house. Power wash your house. Twice a year, your house gets really gross and there's that mold on the north side of the house and you got to deal with it. You can either outsource that or you can do that. Every 3,000 to 5,000 miles, I mean, get real, nobody's changing their oil every 3,000 miles, but every 5,000 miles-ish or so, change your oil. You're either going to go uptown and pay for that to be done or you can do that here. The other day, I was just changing the oil on our on our uh, zero-turn lawnmower and Ransom was out there with me and I just walked him through, okay, here's how you do that. And th- these are things that I've had to learn and these are easy things that you can learn as well. Here's the whole point. Your son needs to see his pastor dad do more than study. He needs to see you do something more than drive to work and then come home. And this is crucial, I think, for everybody to understand. The home is a place of work. Men, get this in your mind. The home is not simply a place of retreat and rest. Your home needs to be a place of productivity and of training and of work and building up your sons and your daughter inside of a home that's productive and not lazy. Home cannot be viewed as the place of retreat and rest solely. It's got to be viewed as a place of work and there's got to be a culture of work built there. And then finally, one example from my own life would be a wood burner. We just bought a wood burner for our home. It's in our basement. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to, and this, you know, I was talking to Jordan and to my father-in-law and a couple other people, and this is going to be good work for me personally, because as a pastor, I want to look for ways that I can work with my hands and that I can gain strength. And one of the things I want to do with this wood burner is chop all of my wood, not with a wood splitter, but I want to do this with an old-fashioned axe. And I've got a neighbor that's got a bunch of down ash trees through southern Illinois. Ash borer have come, and they just tore up everything in our area and all the ash trees are just dying and so ash is really good to burn from what I've heard and I'm going to pick those up down the road and then I'm going to bring those up here and I'm going to get my little golf cart hauler and after I chop it I'm going to go pile some wood dry it out and I'm going to have some wood to dry 
I'm going to have some wood to burn this summer. Well, what I'm thinking about the next 15 years, or what I'm thinking about the years that, that Ransom and Valor are going to be in this home, that wood burner is going to be good work for my sons. They're going to see us chopping wood together. They're going to get calloused hands with me. They're going to have to have burning shoulders as they chop some wood with me as they get older, obviously. Not now. They're seven and three. So they're going to do a lot of watching and picking up wood and bringing it here and putting it under the tarp and that sort of thing. That's an example of good work and just something if you just have your eyes open that you can see that you can find that's going to be good for building a culture of work in your home. Now let's talk about the rite of passage. Now this rite of passage is so crucial and I just want to say the first thing that's the most important thing. If you have a rite of passage or some sort of ceremony that is disconnected from the culture that those young men have learned in the home over the last 15 years or 16 years through observation, if you've just been lazy and then try to give some sort of work ceremony, there's going to be a massive disconnect here. So I'm trusting you men that you're creating this culture and environment of work in the home. So when you get to this ceremony, when you get to this summer of work, when you get to this task, your sons are going to look to you and say, dad, this is the weirdest thing. I've never seen you do anything like this. They shouldn't say that because they've done things like this with you in the past. So they've already mowed the yard. They've already weed-eated. They already know how to take care of, of things. They, they know how to change oil. They know how to change a tire in the car. They have learned in the school of dad about manual labor already. And so now it comes to a particular summer where you have observed that their strength and their body has come. They're past puberty and they can do some work. Okay, I mean, they're a teenager and they can now do some work. And so here's what I'm thinking. You make it your own. Write a passage example for me. And, and I just plan on finding something like this or doing something like this in the future. I've not nailed this down yet because there are it is years in the future. When we built our home, right before we built our home, we bought the property and there were these three massive burn piles on it. The previous owners have taken the big bulldozers and they pushed the trees down and they built up these big piles that were actually the size of a house. I mean, these were massive piles. When we first started burning these, it was even hard to get some of them started. And we were thinking, how are we going to do this? I mean, it was just a lot of work. Well, my dad, with his tractor, just bit by bit, slowly over months, I mean, I mean I'm talking months at a time, we burned these piles. And then my dad, just with his little tractor, a little Kubota tractor, continued to move and push and burn, and we throw oil on there, gasoline, whatever it took, almost burn ourselves up. We finally got these massive brush piles. We finally got them burned down and taken care of. They're gone. The, all three of them are gone. What, my house sits in the place where that burn pile was. No, in the future, in the year of work, what I want to do for my sons is take this summer and say, son, this whole summer, I want you to take care of this brush pile. I will help you, we'll do this together, but I want you to take the lead on getting this brush pile gone. Or, here's a field, somebody in our church needs a field cleared, and they're wanting to clear out this acre, here's what we're gonna do this summer, and I want you to take the lead, we're gonna cut down with our chainsaw 150 of these trees, and we're gonna clear this field for the people in our church. And what I want them to see in front of them for this summer, for the summer of work, is an insurmountable task. This is, oh my gosh, Dad, this looks unbelievable. Like, there's no way I can do this. And I want them to see at the end of it that they can do this. I want them to know as they look out in front of them that sweat equity, that hard work, that a little bit of blood and calloused hands, they can do so much with the body that God has given them because God made them for work. God made men for work. And what I want them to walk out of our home with is a culture that's not scared of massive tasks because they've had a culture for the last 18 years or however many years they end up living with us, they've had a culture of work built into what it means to be a boy, 
what it means to be a man. And then at the end of that summer, when that task is complete and we're sitting and drinking some sweet tea together, we're going to do another ceremony. And with each of these six rites of passages, we're going to do a ceremony. And I'm going to give my son something at the end of this, something like a really nice axe, you know, give a little plug to Joey Hawkins here, an axe from Bless My Buckskins. You got to check that out. If you've been to the Shepherd's Crook Intensive or anything with the Shepherd's Crook, you guys know Joey. And in fact, a couple years ago, we got a hatchet. If you went to the intensive, you got a hatchet from Joey. But buy something that's going to matter, that's going to mean something to him, that's going to last, that he can keep forever or that he can use, that symbolizes, I got through the rite of passage that my dad built for me as I was marching towards manhood. And a part of that manhood is overcoming obstacles that are in front of them that seem so massive that there's no way they can do this. And then at the end of it, they realize, man, we did that. We accomplished that. And so friends, just like I talked about with worship, make it your own. Think through how you can do this for your sons so they walk out of the home the time that they've that God has given your sons with you in your home. So they walk out of this home knowing that they were built for work. They're not going to be a lazy bomb, being a waste of space for humanity. They're going to actually contribute. They're not just going to be consumers, just consuming from everybody else. They're actually going to be contributors in this world, and they're going to be hard workers. Pastors, you got to challenge your men like this, and you've got to model this for your men. Be a hard worker. Mow your yard for goodness sake. Get out there and mow your yard or do something. Change your oil, get some manual labor, and get some calloused hands. Don't have womanly hands, pastor. Do whatever you got to do to not have womanly hands. Don't let your sons see you like that because you don't want your sons to be like that. You want them to be hard workers. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening, and I hope this has been helpful. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating or review, and you guys know the drill. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.